Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet church service. I'm so happy that you're here. I believe that together we're going to have a great time in the Word of God, and I believe that today the Holy Spirit is going to speak to your heart and give you solutions to certain challenges in your life that you don't quite seem to know how to uh, get over the hump or get past the current problem. Well, today, I believe that from the Word of God, you're going to receive illumination and understanding to overcome any former area that you have struggled in. So, we're going to have a great time in the Word of God today. And let's open up by receiving the tithes and offerings, bringing them into the storehouse of God. And I've got a scripture for you today that I think is very, very fascinating. Uh, this is from the book of Nehemiah. Chapter 9, verse 12. Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar, and by night with a pillar of fire, to give them light on the road which they should travel. So the Israelites, when they were in the wilderness for 40 years, they were led, it says here, by the cloudy pillar, and by night they had the pillar of fire. You know what's amazing though? when they went into the Canaan land, that stopped. Woo, praise the Lord. And they didn't have a, you know, pillar of fire leading them around anymore. They didn't need one. They have arrived. They don't need to be led to some other geographical location. They're in the hot spot. They're in their place of blessing. And they are now directed to go into the land and possess the land of their inheritance. Now, verse 18. It says that even when they made a golden, a, a, excuse me, a molded calf for themselves, now that would have been while they were in the wilderness, the 40 years of wandering, it says, uh, you know, that they said, this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt. And they worked great provocations against the Lord. They did many things to frustrate, irritate the Lord. Yet, yet it says in verse 19, yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. In other words, even when the children of Israel, when you had certain ones of them in rebellion, carrying around little uh, statues, little idols, even though that they were in rebellion and, you know, grumbling and murmuring and complaining and all of the things that uh, they would just give in to and, uh, uh, you know, certain, certain temptations they would just yield to, even when they were doing all of that, God was so good that He still kept that cloud over them during the day for air conditioning, and He still kept the pillar of fire ahead of them at night for protection and also for illumination so they could see where they're going. The Lord is very, very good. Matter of fact, it says in verse 17 that God is ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and that He did not forsake them. Now, verse 20, you also gave your good spirit to instruct them, and did not withhold your manna from their mouth, and gave them water for their thirst. And this is when they're being disobedient, God was still very, very good to them. Now, uh, He did teach them uh, certain things that, in other words, uh, the reason you're out here in this mess was because of your disobedience, but yet, even in that place of great humbling, 
uh, much frustration that they were going through because of their sin and their rebellion, God still had great mercy upon them. Verse 21, Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. Now, that is a miracle of being supernaturally sustained, but as we have discussed before, the difference between the blessing and the miracle, really you would want to choose the blessing. But here they were sustained where it says they lacked nothing, their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. Well, we thank God for that, but there was a time when they got into the land of Canaan that they, on the very first day, they ate the harvest that was there in the land. And on that day, we see that the manna ceased, or actually the very next day, the manna ceased. And so now, it's time to walk in the blessing. They have arrived at the Canaan land. That means that the clothes are going to start to wear out, the shoes are going to start to wear out, that's okay. Why? Because you can just make another pair of shoes now. Everything that you need to build shoes, to make clothing, it's all in the land. You're not out in the desert anymore. So everything that you need is here. So don't worry about, you know, well, my shirt's starting to fatigue and wear out. I just tore my, my pants. That's okay. Let's just make another pair. And that's what they did. And they stepped into their land of blessing. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings in just a moment. Uh, but let me share something interesting. When I came into uh, the, the facility here today and uh, was getting ready to record this message for you, uh, when I came in, it was 45 degrees in here. It was uh, very cold. And uh, I've never thought about preaching before in the refrigerator, but I, I kind of felt like that for a little bit. But I thought, well, I could try to preach while it's 45 degrees in here, or uh, I could get this fixed. Uh, you know, call the HVAC guy and then preach afterwards. So I decided to call my friend, the HVAC guy who I know quite well. He came down and he showed me what the problem was. And uh, uh, we are basically dealing here with a very old furnace system. By the way, let me say this. Uh, your giving towards the roof has been remarkable. We are almost there. The roof on the fellowship hall is up. It's paid for. It looks beautiful. The roof on the sanctuary, which I'm in right now, I'm in the sanctuary. The roof has been ordered. It's been paid for the material. We're just waiting for it to be installed when we uh, get out of all of this rain. And uh, we're already listed for our slot. And so that will be installed. So the roof is almost completely paid off entirely, even before it goes up. We've almost got it totally covered. So a new project has popped up that I believe demands our attention. And that's the old furnace and heating system here in the sanctuary. Now this building was built in 1877. It's quite old. We've done a lot to restore it, uh, and it's very, very beautiful today. But there's still some old systems that it's time to get them modernized. I kind of feel like uh, the Israelites having come out of the, the uh, you know, wilderness for 40 years, and going into the promised land, it's like, hey, let's get rid of those old shoes, and let's put some new shoes on. Let's get, a, let's get rid of these old clothes, and let's modernize, and let's get some new clothes, because the bell-bottom pants, they're no longer popular. Woo! Praise the Lord. So this is what we have an opportunity to do. 
I had the HVAC man uh, give me a quote on what it would cost to get a new commercial HVAC system for the entire sanctuary. And he ran all the numbers and did all the tabulations. And, uh, you know, he's a good man. So while I know many HVAC dealers in the area, he's impossible to beat and his work is always impeccable. So he gave me the quote, which I knew for a commercial building was a very good quote. And then he knocked off 10% just because he's a tither and he's a spirit filled believer and said, Stephen, I will, I will put this in and uh, do it at this cost. So we can get rid of the old heating oil furnace system that we have, which runs on fuel oil, which is like a black, dark, greasy diesel oil. My wife came in today and she said, Stephen, what is that smell? I said, well, it's the uh, furnace. And, you know, we were having problems today with the furnace and the, uh, with the fuel oil. And it's, you know, a lot of smoke was coming out of it. And so, you know what? We can get a brand new HVAC system in here for $7,800, $7,800. And I believe this is an opportunity for us to modernize. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. You know, I was talking to the HVAC guy, and I said, how old is the uh, HVAC compressor? He said, I, I don't know. So he went around back, and he uh, took his flashlight, and he, you know, looked at the uh, serial number, the registration tag. He said, Stephen, I can't believe this thing's still running. This thing was installed in 1989. I said, 1989? I said, I said, I'm not an HVAC expert, but you know, because I used to be a plumber and used to be involved in, uh, you know, all kinds of home things where, you know, things were being fixed up. I said, I know that the average life expectancy for a, um, for an HVAC unit, particularly for the compressor is about 10 or 12 years. And Energy Star recommends you replace it every 10 years. And it might as well, because usually by 12, 12 years, they're kind of shot anyhow. He said, Stephen, this thing is 29 years old and it's still running. Ah, it's still running. That's good. Got us through the wilderness. Got us through the, not, not 40 years, but 30 years. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 29 technically. It'll be 30 years in just a few more months. And before I shared this message with you today, I thought, was he really right? Is it really 29 years old? So I went out and I took my flashlight and I looked around the backside of it and I saw the stamp date on the um, on the tag, the official tag, and it said 1989. It had the month and everything. I thought, wow, this thing really is almost 30 years. This is like almost like a miracle that it just keeps on going. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, then we just should live in miracles alone. Just let it keep running. We'll just keep praying over it. But here's the thing. We don't need to live like we're still out in the wilderness. Why, Pastor Stephen? Because today there are modern HVAC companies, and instead of just having to expend all of our faith to keep this thing running, why not just get a new one? Praise God. That's modern. That doesn't blow smoke all over the place and won't make the sanctuary uh, smell like that we're having a barbecue in here. Woo! I think we can do it. I believe we can do it. I feel joy in my heart. Now, this is what I would ask you to do if you want to participate in this. If you would like to sow a seed towards the new HVAC system, then I would like for you to name your seed Modernize. 
because what we're going to do is we're going to modernize this sanctuary. We're going to keep the, the good part that's old, all the boards and everything that is, that is, you know, not rotten, but solid and ready to go for another hundred years. We're going to keep that. But the thing that would need to be replaced the most, which is that old furnace, it needs to be, it needs to go. We're going to modernize it with a new commercial, a commercial HVAC system. Now, those of you guys that are, that know HVAC systems, you might think, well, seven, eight hundred dollars, that's kind of pricey. It would be if it's residential, but remember, this is not a residential building. This is a commercial building. So they do it by the tonnage and they do it by how many people occupy this facility. And you have to have a unit that will meet that demand. And that is the unit that will properly meet that demand. Uh, so that's the, that's the new HVAC unit. That's having it completely fully installed. And that will modernize this glorious 141-year-old facility with a brand new HVAC system. Woo! Glory to God. Now, if you would like to sow into this, I would like for you to mark your seed. Name your seed as modernize. Okay? So anything that you need to modernize in your life, just like the Israelites, they finally got out of the wilderness. It's time to modernize our shoes. We thank God they lasted for 40 years. We thank God the clothes lasted for 30, uh, 40 years. We thank God that the old compressor and HVAC unit, uh, the furnace lasted for 29 years, almost 30 but let's modernize. Okay. So by naming your seed, modernize, I'm asking God that what you need modernized in your life will be upgraded. Okay. Maybe you need a new refrigerator. Maybe the one you have actually works, but it's not going to run forever. Maybe it's 10 years old, or maybe it's just, you know, insufficient and it's time for a new one. I'm believing that as you sow seed, you'll reap harvest in an area where you can modernize. Maybe you need to modernize the interior of your house. Maybe when you go into your house, it reminds you of the Brady Bunch. And you know, that was nice back in the 1970s, but times have changed since then. Maybe you want to uh, modernize your kitchen countertops or whatever it might be. Maybe you want to modernize your wardrobe and you're wearing clothes that are outdated, that you just need some new clothes. Okay. So I'm, I'm believing that as you sow your seed and name that seed, modernize. I believe that it's going to come back as a harvest into your life or anything that needs to be modernized. God's going to help you. And somebody, you need a modern car. They're a lot safer. They get a lot better fuel efficiency. And uh, the, you know what? It's just nice to get into something that's modern. So if you're driving a car that it, it's time to trade it in, okay, then I'm believing that the seed you sow for the new modern commercial HVAC unit for this glorious facility that God has given us. I believe it'll come back. That seed will come back as a harvest in your life. And I believe you're going to see modernization in your life in any area. No old wore out stuff. Glory to God. Glory to God. So from my heart and my, my wife's heart and the heart of our ministry team that, that works in here and is involved in here uh, during the week and the weekends when we are uh, doing certain things, we certainly will appreciate not having to freeze our tootsies off while we are in here. And we are so grateful for all of your giving to continue to move this property forward in a very, very beautiful and pristine way. It is changing the area. It is changing the community. We want to be a lighthouse of the gospel, a lighthouse of faith, and a lighthouse of a spirit of excellence. Praise the Lord. I believe that the church can be the greatest witnessing factor for lifting a community. 
praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. While following our primary mandate, which is to share the gospel and the strengthen God's people in the faith. Praise the Lord. Okay? So those of you that would like to sow into this, you can you can do so now. Now we are almost also at the end of the year, just a few weeks remaining. I believe with all of my heart that we can have this bought and paid for quickly quickly hallelujah and the HVAC guy who's a spirit filled believer who's had his business for years and he's he's helped me with uh, uh, problems before uh, I, he's ready to act on this hallelujah he just needs to yes to order it and to bring it out and to install it I believe we can have this done before we turn into the new year praise God and also very importantly before we get into January which is always the coldest month of the year here in northwestern North Carolina Praise God. My friends, thank you so much for your giving. I believe that the God that we serve is an inexhaustible God, and He's able to flow through you the provision that's needed for this ministry to be healthy. And as you do so, God multiplies harvest back to you, and you will have everything modern and up to date in your life. Glory to Jesus forever. Now, those of you that would like to give, please send your gifts to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina, zip code 28. 117. If you would like to bring it in online, your gift, you want to bring it on online, you want to get it in quickly, you can do so right now. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Ties and Offerings, Sow and Reap. And when you fill out that form and you get ready to make your donation, in that little uh, box that you can make a little notation, write modernize. Modernize. If you're writing the check, you're mailing it in for this work of the new HVAC system, write modernize. Glory to God. And we will modernize that HVAC system. We will designate it for that. And my, my friend, the HVAC guy will take that goofy old furnace out of here. He'll haul off the, the fuel oil tank, which is an eyesore. He'll get rid of that. And sitting there will be a brand new commercial, beautiful HVAC system. Look, only a guy can get into an HVAC system. Hallelujah. Some things that are mechanical excite guys. Now, I know there are ladies also that maybe uh, you have a degree in mechanical engineering. That's wonderful. But guys, they get excited about new HVAC systems. Hallelujah. But, but the ladies enjoy the nice heat in winter and the cool air during summer so we can all rejoice together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And my friends, thank you for your sacrificial giving. God will never run out of an ability to bless you and to supply your every need. Let us honor the Lord today with our tithes and offerings. Thank you so much for your giving. Heavenly Father, bless your people. Let the harvest of modernization come back on them. Father, the new is better, the modern is better, cleaner, more efficient, safer better in so many ways, simplifying our lives. Bless your people. Let them be able to modernize 100 times what it is they're sowing. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I sense in my heart that there's somebody watching. You could do something special on this, and you have an ability to react quickly and do something special. You already have it in an account, 
and you want to do something significant, if that's you, email me. Send me an email at contact at stephenbrooks.org. Contact at stephenbrooks.org and say, Pastor Stephen, I have this money in my account. I just happen to have it, and I want to do something special on that new HVAC unit. This is what I'm doing, and uh, this is when the ETA is. This is when you can expect it to come in. That will help me with our planning for this project. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Modernization. Modernization. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are all moving forward by God's grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, let's take our Bibles today and go to the book of Leviticus, chapter 26. I have an interesting title for today's message. I, I wasn't quite sure what to call it, but I've decided to name it Spiritual Troubleshooting. Spiritual Troubleshooting. And I want to explain that in just a moment. As we jump into the Word of God, I believe answers and revelation are going to flow into the eyes of your understanding. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We ask that as we venture into it now, that Your Holy Spirit would illuminate it, so that we can grasp it, take it, and walk uprightly in Your Kingdom, and walk in the blessing. Father, thank You. Thank You in Jesus' name. And around the world we say, Amen. Leviticus chapter 26 says, You shall not make idols for yourselves. Neither a carved image nor a sacred pillar shall you rear up for yourselves, nor shall you set up an engraved stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, and then he goes on to list blessings that will happen to you if you do this. Notice verse 3 again. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them. Let me say this today my friends. God's statutes, God's commandments, God's laws, God's principles. They're not they're not they're not stupid. I'm not trying to be rude or crude by making a statement like that, but I'm just trying to tell you that when God lists something as a commandment or as a law, it's it's never something that's stupid. Anything that's in the Word of God is not there to take up space. In other words, it's not like God said, I want to write a book, I want it to be real thick. I want to bog people down with just endless information, and I want to keep them occupied all the time of yes and no and can't and can't, and I just, I just want to keep them running all the time. No, the reason is in here is not because it's something stupid. The reason it's in here is because if you'll do it, it'll work. And if you don't do it, it'll hurt you. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. For example, verse 2, You shall keep my Sabbaths, and, rave, and reverence my sanctuary, I am the Lord. But yet some people say, Pastor Stephen, I'm always tired, I'm always wore out, my back hurts, everything aches on me, I, I just don't get it. I'm wore out all the time. Uh, Pastor Stephen, I don't understand it. Oh, 
Well, do you understand that in the Bible, God said that 52 days out of the year, you're supposed to rest? Well, I didn't know that was in there. That's why you feel wore out all the time. You're not resting. You are commanded to rest. It's not just a good idea. It's a commandment. And if you disobey spiritual laws, and then you wear yourself out, well, you're only going to hurt yourself. These things are in the Word of God to help us, to make our life joyful, to make our life happy. And you know what? If you're exhausted and tired all the time, it doesn't matter if you're eating your favorite food, if you're watching a wonderful movie, if you're with your spouse, and you're trying to do something enjoyable. If you are tired, it is very hard to enjoy anything. Fatigue is something that your body is emitting as a signal that says it is now time to rest. But if you don't rest, you will disobey a commandment, a spiritual law. And if you, if you continue to violate that, uh, it can really hurt you down the road. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. So we need to perform the commandments, the statutes of the Lord. And it says in verse four, then I will give you rain at season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field <clears throat> shall yield their fruit. I like that. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. Oh, this really sounds good. You shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. I will give peace in the land. And you shall, lie, you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. Oh, I like that also. I will rid the land of evil beasts, and the sword, and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies, they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. By the way, you're probably thinking, this sounds a lot like Deuteronomy chapter 28. Yes, it does. It's very similar. Now verse 9, Leviticus 26 verse 9, For I will look on you favorably. Now remember, this is, this is all of what will happen to you, the blessing, when you do what God tells you to do. Praise God. For I will look on you favorably, and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest, and clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you, and be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bands of your yoke, and made you walk upright. Verse 14, But if you do not obey me, now, that also refers to obeying God's Word, God's instruction manual. But if you do not obey me, and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments, so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant, then the Lord goes into a description of all the very difficult, sorrowful things that comes upon a person that violates God's Word and God's spiritual laws. Praise the Lord. All of God's laws make sense. They're not stupid. They're not there just for some kind of a purpose to occupy our time. Every law, every commandment makes sense. 
And even if you're talking to an atheist, an agnostic, or an unbeliever, and you are discussing moral law, really, you don't even have to use the Bible as a reference to, I don't want to maybe say win the argument, because I'm not like really a debater or an arguer. But if you're trying to help somebody to see the light, you can, you can explain to them why it's right just through principle. In other words, if God said this is wrong, there must be a logical reason why He said that. And if you just think about it, it begins to make sense. For example, God said, God said, you shall not steal. Well, I don't see what the big deal about that is, Pastor Stephen. After all, if you want to take it, why not just take it? Because if we all steal, and we make it lawful for everybody to steal, and there's no penalty if you do, if we all did that, society, just stop and think about it for a moment, society couldn't function. If you could just go in uh, into a bank and pull out a shotgun and hold it up to the teller and say, give me all the money, even if it's not mine, I don't care whose it is, give it to me, and you just take it by force, how could any city or town function if that were not punishable? If that were said to be okay, how could any place anywhere function normally? If you could just walk into somebody's house, take all of their stuff, um, how could anything function like that? So that's why we have laws, and that's why we have principles, and if you work God's laws, God's principles, you'll be blessed. If you violate them, even ones that you don't know about, it will hurt you and hold you back, which is why there is a need at times for spiritual troubleshooting. If something's not working, we need to find out why. Don't just live year after year, month after month, thinking, well, you know, I guess that's just the way it is. No, no. if it's not working, a law somewhere is being violated, and we need to look into it spiritually troubleshoot that and fix it, and then the blessing will begin to work in that area that was formerly messed up, or barren, or non-productive, or where confusion reigned. Praise the Lord. Where there's, where there's no law, where there's no principles that are followed, there's chaos, and strife, and, and confusion. You know, I was uh, downtown uh, a, a few months back, few years back, actually 2016, just before the presidential election, and there, there was a young man out on the street, uh, you know, passing out flyers, and, he, and he, he handed me a flyer, and I looked at it, I said, oh, I said, I said my friend, he's a young man, probably 24 years old, I said, I, I don't want this flyer, I said, I'm, I'm not going to be voting along this ideology, and he said, why not? I said, well, I I don't believe that if we follow the principles that are presented by the person that you're campaigning for, I said, I don't believe that if we follow those principles that we can be successful as a country, as a city, or as a town. I said, if we, if we do that, things will break down, things won't work. For, for instance, he was trying to promote somebody that believed in the equal distribution of wealth. In other words, take money and goods and possessions from those who earned it but have more, and take it from them and give it to those who would either have nothing or even would be lazy and don't have a job, just take it and give it to them anyhow. 
I said, I said, society can't function if we do that. I, I said, we'll all collapse if we do that. And we began to talk a little bit, and I began to explain to him why we need to follow principles. And this is what he said. He said, well, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. He was very anti-law, anti-structured you know, order. And he said, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I said, I understand your position. But it's because of your position that we have these right here. And I pointed to traffic lights. And he, he looked at me totally puzzled. I said, because there's people just like you that say, I don't care if the light's red or not. I'm running that light, and I'm in a hurry, and I'm going through the light. So it's because of people like you that we have to have tra traffic lights. And I said, here's what you don't understand. The traffic lights are not only to protect people like myself from people like you who have no regard for the law, but actually, whether you understand it or not, those lights are actually there even to protect you. Oh, and he big, I, th I think the light slowly began to come on a little bit. I said, not only that, I said, that's why we have to have police and law enforcement, because if everybody just does what's right in their own eyes, then we have no moral compass, we have no way to determine what's right and what's wrong, and everything will collapse, and we'll have a lawless society, and that's not good, it won't work, praise the Lord. Well, God has laws, if you follow those laws, you will go high. Okay, it, it doesn't mean your best friend will, it doesn't mean that your family members will, your, your relatives, but if you will, if you will serve the Lord, God will take you up, God will take you up, God will take you up, and then when it's not working for them, they can look at you and say, why, why? Now some of them will say, oh, you're lucky, oh, no, it's not luck, it's because we are working the Word we are working spiritual laws, and we have found out what they are, and now we are working with them instead of against them. That is why some of you need to do spiritual troubleshooting. If you have an area in your life where you're being defeated, that's not normal. That should not be acceptable in your life. You should go in there and spiritual troubleshoot and find out what's wrong. Because it could be that there's something wrong that you don't know about. But just because you're not aware of that law uh, doesn't mean that you're exempt from it. It will still work whether you have knowledge of it or not. So we need to talk a little bit today about spiritual troubleshooting. And I want to talk about a very, very important law that if you don't understand it, you're not going to win in life. Woo! It's found very clearly in Romans chapter 3. Romans 3, verse 27. Answers are coming to you today. Answers are coming to you today. Romans 3, verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. There is what is known in the Word of God as the law of faith. That's found in Romans chapter 3, verse 27. The law of faith. Now remember, it is impossible to please God without faith. That is a law. You cannot violate that law and think that somehow you can still please God. You can't. 
It's impossible to please God without faith. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm not into this faith stuff. I'm just going to find some other way. There is no other way. There is no other law that overrides the law of faith. Ah, so you're going to have to operate the law of faith. And if you don't know what it is, you need to find out. Oh, by the way, if you don't know what it is, I can tell you what it is right now. What is the law of faith? Well, first of all, what is a law? A law is something that is predictable. Please say that today. It's predictable. It's vastly different from the lottery. Oh, I go in to get gas. Uh, I went in to get gas today because the, um, the receipt out at the gas pump, I guess the paper was out. So, you know, it says, see the clerk. You know, I, I need the receipt. So I go inside to get the receipt. And you see people buying lottery tickets. That's not the law of faith. That's a good example of the law of chances. And what is that law displayed as? It's something that's, that's not in your favor. There is a law, but the law is that your odds are one and, you know, 400 million or however many people are playing it or whatever it might be. So there is a law. It's just that, that law is not in your favor ever. But the law of faith is in your favor. And this law is predictable. And when put to work, the law of faith, when put to work, it works every time the same way. Mm, 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 mm. Again, if something is not working somewhere in your life, it's because a law of God somewhere is being violated. Remember Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It says that Jesus Christ, Jesus the Anointed One, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you just don't know what God's going to do. Yes, we do. He's consistent. His laws work day or night. Doesn't matter if July or August. It works the same. It doesn't matter if you're in Nigeria, or if you're in Brazil, or if you're in Oklahoma. It doesn't matter. If you work that law, it works the same. If you violate that law, you'll have the same consequences there as you would somewhere else. It's a law. Praise God. And God is consistent. God is the same. And because He is consistent, the same yesterday, today, and forever, then His laws also can always be shown and proven to be consistent as well. Praise God. Now, um, to give us a parallel example, the law of faith is very similar to the various laws of aerodynamics. Praise God. Uh, for instance, if you're a pilot and um, you want to be maybe a professional pilot, well, what you're going to have to do is move past a, a pilot rating that constricts you to only flying what's called VFR or visual flight rules. That means you have a pilot's license but it's only VFR, visual flight rules, visual, what you can see. And so you're not allowed to fly at nighttime. 
Why? Because at night you don't have illumination. So you can't see where you're going. You're not allowed to fly in the storm. You're not allowed to fly in rain. If it's overcast, you're not allowed to fly. Why? You only have a VFR license, visual flight rules, and you can only fly when you can see where you're going and when you have really good weather. And so you have a lot of restrictions. But if you want to be a professional pilot and you want more liberty and maybe you want to fly jets uh, and so forth then you have to get a rating that's called IFR which is instrument flight rules and basically when you are flying by instrument it means you don't look outside okay you are flying strictly by what that little glass LCD panel in front of you is showing and you don't look out the window because if you're in a cloud bank you can't see anything anyhow if you look out there's nothing to see and so that's that's why you need instrument flight rules because when you're flying in conditions like that looking outside doesn't help you get oriented it, it it's it's very uh, disorienting to fly in clouds and you can get vertigo and you don't know if you're right side up you don't know if you're upside down you don't know where you're at you don't know which direction you're going into you can get completely lost and that's how uh, quite a few pilots have crashed and have been killed because they did not trust their instrument so here's the thing with the law of faith you trust God's word you trust what God said with the pilot you trust what that instrument panel is telling you and you're not moved by how you feel well I don't need that I don't need to look at that panel I don't need to check my instruments I just I just uh, I just feel like we're going in the right direction I can feel it in my elbow yep we're flying in the right direction now well you know what you can't you can't go by feelings you cannot fly by feelings you have to have something that is a law that is consistent that you can trust praise God pastor pastor Stephen pastor Stephen I, I don't feel like I'm healed I have received prayer from the anointed man of God but I just I just don't feel it what did you take it by faith well no I'm taking it by feeling oh well it, do, it doesn't work like that there is no law of feelings there's no law of feelings that's feelings are all over the board sometimes up sometimes down so it's not a law because it's not consistent it's not the same every time but the law of faith is mm -mm. thank you Lord Jesus these are laws law the law of faith laws of aerodynamics let's talk about that further the law of faith work every single time if you work it if you work it if you work it now the laws of aerodynamics involve the flight of an airplane will also work every time if they're applied correctly praise God you may not think they would work but they do you might you might see a um, Airbus a380 parked out at an airport and fully loaded 1.2 million pounds of metal and plastic and other materials and things like that you know uh, composite material and you think that's a piece of metal that weighs over a million pounds there's no way in the world that thing could get up in the air ah but yes it can it could get up in the air with over 400 people packed on the inside of it 
actually over 500 people but it has to follow the laws that govern aerodynamics but see it took it took us a while to figure out what these laws were and you know I, I live in North Carolina and here in North Carolina we have the famous monument of Kitty Hawk where the Wright brothers flew their very crude airplane but it did fly and it was a it was a very uh, wonderful leap forward in aviation because the laws of aerodynamics were beginning finally to be understood and in the learning process it wasn't easy okay and it's not easy either in the faith walk because when I came a Christian there's a lot of stuff I didn't know when I was filled with the Holy Spirit I loved the Lord with all of my heart but there were a lot of spiritual laws I was just in the dark about and you know what it hurt me. Not that, not that God was trying to make life difficult on me, it's just that I didn't know His method of operating. So I was, I, I was working against His system trying to do it my way. So even in aerodynamics, it, it took them a while to figure out how to get the plane up, what's causing these wings to work, how the wind goes, uh, the, the air goes over, under the wings and so forth praise God. But they got it figured out pretty good uh, in the process. Unfortunately some people died, lost their lives. Test pilots have lost their lives and uh, a risky job, but you know what? They have unraveled how to get these planes up in the air. They may look gigantic, may not look like it can't do it, but they can when these laws are followed. Now when you follow the law of faith it will work over and over and over just like it'll work for that airplane. Nobody at the airport flying out of Charlotte Airport sitting there getting on the Delta flight on the American Airlines flight or whatever it might be, nobody sitting on that plane is thinking, oh this is not going to get off the ground. This can't happen. No, it's just everybody knows they've got the laws of aerodynamics figured out and uh, we're going to work those laws and without even thinking about it we're taking off. And they do and it's just it's established now. But it's the same way with the law of faith. If you work that law over and over and over, it will be proven true in your life. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, the elements that make up spiritual law must be strictly followed. Whether it's the law of faith or the law of love or the law of forgiveness, or any spiritual force. You must strictly follow the laws that govern those spiritual elements. Praise the Lord. You know there was a minister that lived in the early 1900s, and uh, his name was Dr. John G. Lake. He was a very wealthy man, uh, he, he was a businessman, but he also had a deep scientific background. Of course, he went on to be known as an apostle of faith, established many churches, and began to walk in a mighty healing anointing. But it was Dr. John G. Lake that who studied the power of God, the healing anointing of God, God's miracle power, His God's ability to uh, to see the anointing flow into a sick or diseased body, and to see that anointing remove burdens and destroy yokes. It was Dr. Lake who realized that anointing power of God is very similar to electricity. 
But see, here was the thing in Dr. Lake's day. Um, electricity during that time was new. And so they didn't, they didn't understand really the laws of electricity. Guess what happened? The same thing that happened with the laws of aerodynamics. When it was new, a lot of people didn't understand it. A lot of people crashed. A lot of people died in their planes until they got it figured out. Same thing with the laws of electricity. Uh, it was very, very dangerous, and many people got hurt in the process of figuring out how to deal with this law and the power that can be released through this law of electricity. You know, one of the uh, workers here at our ministry, uh, he used to uh, work for another company one time, and uh, he had a pair of boots that he was trying to sell. And he said, uh, Pastor Stephen, I bought these boots for $450. I said, well, why, why were they so expensive to me? They just looked like a, you know, kind of like a plain pair of boots with a really thick heel. He goes, oh, he said, these are very special boots with a very special heel and bottom because I used to work as an electrician on the telephone poles and on the electrical poles with the um, very high electricity. And so you have to have certain safety precautions because you're dealing with tremendous power. And so the law of energy demands that you respect it. Well, I don't respect it. I don't believe in that. Well, you could get bit. And it's not that you got hurt or got bit because God's trying to be hard on you. It's just that what you don't know can hurt you. Yes, it can. And God's not trying to be mean to us when He says, don't do this. When the Word gives commandments and instructions, God's not trying to make your life complicated or difficult. He's not trying to bog you down with information just to take up your, you know, your brain data bank. He's trying to help you know the path of life as separated from the path that leads to destruction, misfortune, accidents, disasters, needless accidents happening to you. Praise God. Needless calamity happening to you. Praise God. When I was a young boy, probably about 10 years old, um, I remember I was at the house. Uh, you know, I got bored with my homework. So I was, uh, you know, kind of doodling around with my pencil. And for whatever reason, I, I took my pencil and I started sticking it into the um, electrical outlet there on the wall. And I noticed that when I did that, sparks. I began to leap out of the, uh, the outlet. Well, I thought that was pretty cool. So I called my brothers over and I said, hey, watch this. And I'm sticking that pencil in there and sparks are shooting all over the place. And my mother walked by and saw what I was doing. She said, Stephen, don't you do that. Oh, I said, oh, mom, there's no big deal here. It's not going to do anything. I, this is cool. Look at this. She said, Stephen, stop it. And I just jammed that pencil in there and spark shot out. But it somehow shot beyond the pencil and hit my hand. And boy, the jolt. I suddenly realized that my mother was not trying to ruin my enjoyment. She's not trying to put a damper on my activity. She's trying to prevent me from having needless pain. And it's the same way with God. God's not trying to make life complicated for you, but God has given us an instruction manual that outlines spiritual laws, even natural laws. If you follow them, you'll be blessed. If you disobey them, even if there are some you're not aware of, then you're going to get hurt. That's why if there's any area where something's not working in your life, you need to do spiritual troubleshooting. You need to look in that area and ask yourself, am I disobeying a spiritual law? 
Am I doing something wrong that I'm not aware of? Is this why this is not working out well in my life? Because I'm violating something in God's Word? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you praise today. What is faith? What is the law of faith? Well, the law means that it's perpetual, that we'll get the same results over and over because it's consistent. Well, then what is the law of faith? Faith is a spiritual force. It is generated in the born-again human spirit. It is released out of the mouth of the believer, and it is then supported with corresponding works. Ooh, I like it. Let me read it again. Faith is a spiritual force. It is generated in the born-again human spirit. It is released out of the mouth of the believer, and support it with corresponding actions. Woo! Woo! And when you work the law of faith, it'll work for you. It works today, and it worked in the 1500s. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The law of faith worked 1800 years ago. Can I tell you something else? The law of electricity would have worked in 1710 just as well as it worked in the 1800s. It's just that in the 1700s they didn't have understanding of the law. So because there was no understanding of that law, they could not tap into the power of it and enjoy its benefits. Woo! Glory to God. An Airbus A380 flies today because it obeys laws of aerodynamics. But if you could put that Airbus in a time machine, have it fully fueled and ready, to, you know, the, the pilots that are ready, put it in a time machine and send it back to the year of 1100. Let's send it back to Italy and let St. Francis of Assisi take a look at it. And he and his disciples would probably have said, wow, I don't see how that could get up off the ground. That's just a ch giant chunk of metal. Ah, watch. If there had been a runway for it, they'd have started up those engines and taken, it th taken off in that thing. And Airbus A380 would have flown in the year of 1115. Yes, it would have, just as well as it flies today. Why? Governed by laws of aerodynamics. And the law of faith works over and over and over when you work it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, let's go to, what, to one of the primary conditions, the number one primary condition that activates the law of faith. Praise God. Let's go to Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Mm -mm. Riddles are being solved in your life right now. Solutions are being presented to you right now by the Spirit of God. And you're coming out, and you're going over, and you're going through. You're flying high over what formerly held you down. Why? You're flying by principles. You're not just trying to do it your own way. Your own way could be wrong. It could be right. It could be wrong. <laughs> Woo! Pastor Stephen, I don't believe there's any such thing as hell. I don't believe in any such thing as heaven. I don't believe there's any God. I don't believe any of this stuff. Oh! Oh, you're violating the law. 
It'll work just like the law of gravity works. You may not think so, but you're going to find out, and I don't want you to have to find out, but you're going to find out because you're activating that law. Well, I don't believe in that gravity. We'll go jump off the Empire State Building, and then come back and tell us your report, if you're still in one piece, which you won't be. We know that. We, we understand that law. But, but what about the law of sin and death? What about the wages of sin is death, spiritual death, which of course is what has led to natural death. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't believe that. You, the moment you die, you'll be a believer. And you'll know that God's Word is true. The law of sin and death. It's a law. If you die in your sins, you are condemned as lost and separated from God. It is the law of sin and death. And it, it works the same for everybody. Every sinner who has rejected Christ is lost in their sins in the place of torment in hell. It's a law. You, you cannot violate it and somehow think it won't work for you. It's a law. It's a law. Praise you, Lord Jesus. We want to work God's laws right so that the advantage and the blessing comes on us. Remember, as we were looking earlier out of Le Leviticus, the Lord said, if you do these things, all of these blessings will come upon you. And He just lists blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. That's when you work His principles. That's when you walk in the law of faith. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Let's start in verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. Mm. Mm. Your faith won't work if there's doubt in your heart. The law of faith will not work. You will not get airborne if there's doubt in your heart. It's a law. If you violate the law, it won't work. Well, Pastor Stephen, things I say, they don't come to pass. I try to make good confessions, they don't come to pass. Well, there must be doubt in your heart. And if there's doubt, this law has been violated, and you don't get lift, you don't get airborne. Praise you, Lord Jesus. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Praise God. Praise God. The spiritual law of faith, it demands that you talk like you have it, that you believe you have it, that you act like you have it. If necessary, you dress like you believe you have it. Woo! Glory to God. Your actions and your speech and your behavior must not betray your faith, or you violate the law, and you don't get the lift, and your words do not have mountain-moving faith. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's a scripture rising up in my spirit. We need to look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. A scripture rising up in my spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 
Praise the Lord. This is going to help somebody. Listen to this. This will be the third time I am coming to you. Okay. So we have two letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Okay. So there's a missing letter. It's called the lost letter to the church in Corinth. That's okay. We've got the two that count. <laughs> we have the two that are divinely inspired. This will be the third time I am coming to you. By the mouth, okay, by the mouth, by the speaking forth, by the mouth of two, by, of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Pastor Stephen, I'm believing God to do this in my life, but it's just not happening. It's not happening. Oh, okay. So if I were to ask you, if you if you were to stand here in front of me, and you came, you had some grapes, and you had a bite of one of my apples, and you said, Pastor Stephen, that's good fruit. I, I need to talk to you about a problem. I'm believing God for something, and time keeps going by, and there's been no manifestation. And I, I don't get it. I don't get it. What's wrong? If you were to stand here and tell me that. This would be the first thing I'd do. Give me two, maybe three. If you're sharp, you'll have three. But give me at least two scriptures from the Word right now that you're basing what you're believing on. And some people just stand there. They, don't, they can't pull up one. They, they, they don't even know what to say. They're just believing. Well, you're believing based on what? Based on what? Your faith has to be based on something that God spoke to you as a living rhema word. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's what my grandmother said. Well, that's not going to fly. You can't lock onto that. That that cannot be the anchor of your faith. Pastor Stephen, my mother-in-law told me that I'm a preacher. That's why I'm trying to do this, but it's not working. Well, what did God tell you? Well, I, I've never heard God tell me anything. That's the problem right there. You need at least two preferably three scriptures that the Lord has placed heavy on your heart to back up what it is that you're believing for. And until you get that, you're not even out of the blocks. Mm, mm. Law of faith. Law of faith demands that you have something to support what it is that you're grabbing for. Because mm. you grab it with real faith, with real word from the Lord, you know you've got it before you ever see it. Why? God's told you it's yours. It's yours. Mm. Mm. Speaking of St. Francis of Assisi, who lived in the 1100s, very godly man. I'm not saying I agree with all of his theology, which is fine because theologies vary around the world in, within the stream of Christianity, the various streams. But we can all agree on the bottom denominators of faith, the basic tenets of faith, the elementary principles of the faith, salvation by grace through faith, water baptism, repentance of dead works, etc. But I like St. Francis of Assisi. Why was, his, why was his ministry so successful? Because he walked into a church one day and said, Lord, I believe today that when I open the Scriptures, you are going to give me three Scriptures that will speak to me about my, my life assignment as a minister for you. And he opened the Bible, 
and the scriptures lifted up supernaturally from the page, and he followed strictly those three scriptures, and all three verses harmonized. The Lord said, this is the way your life will be, this is what you'll do, this is the structure of your ministry. He followed those three things, and that's why his ministry was so effective. That with this, just in a few years, he had 5,000 followers, 5,000 missionaries. Woohoo! Glory to God. Glory to God. What you do, what you step into, you must have something that backs what you're doing. Well, I'm just a hoping and a wishing. <laughs> That's like playing the lottery. Woo! And uh, if you play the lottery enough, maybe you buy a million tickets, then there is a law of chance that you eventually could get something, but do you really want to spend $40 million to win $40,000? I mean, who wants to go down that goofy path? Somebody who doesn't understand principles. Mm, 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 mm. Look, as a Christian pilot, as a spiritual pilot, as a faith pilot, look at your instrument panel. It will tell you where you're going. Well, I don't think it's right. No, it's right. It's locked in on a satellite with GPS coordinate. It's right. Just follow that. That's all, that's all you need. That's all you need. Well, I don't feel it's okay. This we're working right. No, it's working fine. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Faith. Faith. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Glory. And the greater the vision, the greater the thing that you're believing God to do, the more solid those two or three witnesses from the eternal word need to be spoken to you concerning. Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, I'm believing God to do this. Good. What are the first two scriptures you can give me right now? Not go home and pray about it. What are two scriptures you can give me right now from the Bible? Open your Bible up and show me the platform for which you're standing on that you're believing God to do it. Well, I never thought about that. Two or three witnesses. Mm, mm, mm. Somebody's got some homework to do. You have to cooperate with spiritual laws. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Very, very quickly, let's go to the book of James. You have to believe that you receive that you have it before you ever see it, and then you'll have it. But you can't really believe that without having doubt in your heart. You can't really believe that unless you've got at least two or three solid scriptures mm, you can stand on. You know that word is true. You, you'll, you'll base your whole life on that. And you know what? You're flying now. And you'll, you'll know you've got it before you ever see it. You'll just know it. You'll know it's a done deal. You'll be praising God for it. You'll be making room for it. You'll be thinking, where am I going to put it? I'm going to have to. You're already planning it all out because you know. You know. Ah, the necessity to spend time with God. The necessity to wait on the Lord and hear from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Well, this is what everybody else is doing. Well, that's great. Maybe God called them to do it, but what did God tell you to do? Because maybe God's got something different for you. Maybe God's got a different assignment, a different occupation, a different direction. 
you just need to do what God's called you to do. Hallelujah. And it'll take all your faith to maximize that potential. You certainly don't need to get sidetracked on something. <laughs> that is not a heavenly assignment. Woo! Mm, I see you flying high. Mm, I see you flying high. I see you conforming to the principles of God's Word. Yes. Glory to God. James James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. In other words, he sees himself in the mirror, but he never really thinks about it. And if he was out on the street somewhere and somebody said, describe to me how you look, they couldn't even really tell how they look because they've never carefully thought and observed what they are looking at. Verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, what's that? What is the perfect law of liberty? It's this book right here. And the more you look into it, the freer your life will get. But see, you have to look into it and apply it. Praise you, Lord. It's not just truth that you know, it's truth that's applied that brings the heavyweight results that you're looking for. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Now, works there can be translated as corresponding actions. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have cor corresponding actions? Mm. Can, can faith save him? Will the law of faith work if I don't apply corresponding actions to it? No. No. It won't work. And you're kidding yourself if you think it will, if you're not putting corresponding actions to your faith. Now, it says, he has faith but does not have works. Works, plural. There's always something you can do to move your faith project forward. You'll do this, and then you can do something else, and then you can do something else. So there's works, plural, associated with any strong thing that you're believing God for. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, that, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, can it fly? Can it get airborne? Can the plane get up off the ground if it violates a law of aerodynamics? No. No. Can the electricity flow if we turn the switch off? No. No, we're, we're doing something wrong. If something's not working right, we have to find out where we're at in the law of God, in the law of faith, are we missing this? And make the correction. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Praise the Lord. The law of faith requires that 
there be corresponding a works attached to what it is that you're believing God to do. Holy Spirit speaking right now, giving revelation of what you're supposed to do. It's not, it's not, it's not complicated either. It's not like you've got to get on your knuckles and crawl to Jerusalem. <laughs> Can you imagine how raw your knuckles will be if you had to do that? Mm. It's not like you have to, you know, hike to the top of Mount Everest with no oxygen tank and get to the top. And then when you get up there, then God can hear your prayer. No, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You just have to work with the laws that God has established. If you work them, you'll fly. If you work them, you'll not crash. If you'll work them, the power flows. Woo! If you work them, you have Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 14, flowing into your life. Deut uh, Leviticus 25, flowing in your life. Just things are working. Why? Because you're working with what God said to do. You could even be an unbeliever and follow certain biblical principles, not even know they're in the Bible, but if you're following them and working them, they'll even work for an unbeliever. Which is why many, you know, corporations in the world that, you know, really wouldn't have any interest in God, yet they're following certain biblical principles, and they have a healthy business. It's because they're, they are following certain laws that give lift, that give, that give good results. That's that's just things that God has established in the earth. Maybe they figured out what it is. The sad part is when a believer has not yet figured out what it is. That's one of my jobs, is to teach the Word, to minister the Word, so that if there's something that's not working right in your life, you can stop and say, there, there is a solution. Somewhere in here, there's a solution for this, and I'm going to get into the instruction manual and find out how to fix it. Glory, glory. I see you rising to the top by the grace of God. I see you rising to the top because you, you respect the commandments, the judgments, the instructions of God's Word. Praise God. There, there are people that are violating them, and you know what? Harvest doesn't always come overnight, but eventually it will come. And if you're sowing bad seed, if you're violating laws, you may, you know, you may look at certain people doing that think think they're getting away with it. No, there is no getting away with it. There is no getting away with it. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that person died, and he never got caught. And he did all those awful things, and he died, and he got away with it. No, if you could see where they're at right now, you would realize they didn't get away with anything. They didn't get away with anything. Everything will be judged, and if a person has done wrong, and it's not covered by the blood of Jesus, and there's not been forgiveness, you will realize they didn't get away with anything. Mm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's walk with the Lord. Let's serve the Lord. Let's reverence the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think some of God's laws, even natural laws, sometimes are disrespected. I see, um, like this sport called parkour, P-A-R-K-O-U-R, and I think it's a great sport, 
as long as you don't endanger your life. Where I see these young people, you know, some of them teenagers, some of them early 20s, uh, going to the tops of buildings, usually illegally, and doing backflips and somersaults, you know, right on the precarious ledge of the top, with a drop-off sometimes of, you know, hundreds of feet, with nothing but pavement down below. But yet they toy with laws. They toy with the fact that if you have one slip, you're dead. And they disrespect that, and they toy with that. And the more you disrespect it, and the closer you do it, uh, you're, you're in a very, very dangerous place. When you don't realize that thing can hurt you, you're in a very, very dangerous place. When you play with things that are dangerous, that's usually when you get hurt. And sadly enough, young people die every year from that sport, leaping and jumping and doing flips, where if, you're, if your balance is off just a slight bit and you slip, there's nothing to grab. Straight down you go. There's a lot of places you can, you can run and jump. You don't need to do it 300 feet up in the air. Praise the Lord. If you violate natural laws, you'll get hurt. If you violate spiritual laws that God has established as well, you'll get hurt. Praise God. God put them in there for your protection. God put them in there for your blessing. For your blessing. When you work them, you go up. When you work them, you go up. Glory to God. <laughs> oh, and there's different ones. There's different ones. Let me say this in closing today. If something is not working, your faith is not getting the lift that it should have. The first place I would always look is in my love walk. Am I walking in forgiveness? And I'm, am I forgiving those who have wronged me? And I'm, am I walking in love, not just towards those who love me, but even towards those who would revile me and persecute me and say things falsely about me? Am I walking in love towards them as well? I, if there's anything off, the first thing I would always check is my love walk. Okay, that's the first thing you should always check. And then just check laws. Are you violating a spiritual law? Praise God. Get it fixed and get it right before you know it, you'll be right back on track. You'll be flying again. Praise God. Some of you, I see you have lift in some areas, but it's like there's another area, you have a broken wing, and that broken wing is holding your entire aircraft down. You get that fixed. Just watch. Just watch the legacy that you'll leave. Praise God. Father, I pray for your people today that they work with you, that revelation from your word flow, and that your word be reverenced, and treat it with respect, and that you get them airborne, flying high and free in you. We thank you, Father, may their life be a shining example to others who are frustrated and struggling. May their life, of those that are hearing and obeying, may their life be as a shining light that illuminates the good results of obeying your principles. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take Holy Communion today as we celebrate the law of faith. Hallelujah. I like, 
I like international flights. I, I like short flights in America. I like international flights. It's just fun. For me it is at least. It's fun to get on an airplane and fly for 12, 14, 15 hours and see something different and experience something different and of course most importantly minister the gospel while traveling. But all of that is possible because some people figured out the laws of aerodynamics. Okay, so there's things that are being understood better. The law of faith, you work it, woo, you'll just be manifesting, manifesting things. <laughs> Believing, manifesting, believing, manifesting, praying, results, glory to God. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We consecrate it. This is now the flesh and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Fathers, we receive his body. We receive the mechanics, the operation, knowledge of the law of faith, so that we can please you and make you happy. Woo! That's our greatest desire, God, is to make you happy. We thank you, Father God, for understanding the law of faith. And we're going to work it. We thank you that you're taking us high. In Jesus' name, let us now receive the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes all of our sins away. Mm -mm. The atonement. Woo! Glory. Hallelujah. The power of the blood. Oh God, we thank you that we are justified by faith through grace, through the shed blood of Christ not because of what we did, because of what He did for us. We receive it, and we thank You for our right standing with You. We thank You, Father. We thank You, O God, for grace. You know what? The Lord has covered a lot of our mistakes. If it were not for His grace and mercy, there's no telling where we would be. But He has had a lot of mercy on us as we have violated certain things. Accidents that we should have had God had mercy and sent an angel. Problems that we should have been overwhelmed with, God sent help, and we were able to get out of it. God has had great mercy. But can you imagine what God will do when we work with Him? And that mercy and grace lifts us as we work the principles. Father, we thank You for the blood of Jesus. As we drink it, our heart is that we will cooperate with You. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink. Praise the Lord. Glory to God forever. Father, we thank you for the law of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, not by sight. Hallelujah. My friends, thank you for watching today. Be sure to add works, corresponding actions to your faith. You're going to have amazing results. God bless you. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.